A transcript is available for free on our Patreon page. You can find the link in the episode's description. France, the country that's famous for its wine, cheese, and of course, fashion. But beneath the glamorous appearance of the fashion world, with stylish clothes and star-studded catwalks, there is a dirty secret. The fashion industry is one of the most destructive industries in the world. More than 100 billion textiles, which means clothes, shoes and linen, are sold every year in the world. Making all of these clothes results in roughly 8-10% to of all greenhouse gas emissions. It also results in pollution of water bodies like rivers, and the industry has been linked to poor conditions for workers, including child labour. And that's not the only problem. Fast fashion creates constant trends and the drive to buy more clothes, which means that people often throw away things they haven't worn much. And cheap, low-quality clothing is more likely to get damaged and need repairing. An estimated 700,000 tonnes of clothing is thrown away every year in France, and two-thirds of this just ends up in landfill. The French government have set aside 154 million euros to help solve this issue. In October, a new scheme will start where French people can get money to help them repair their clothes and shoes instead of throwing them away. They will pay people between 6 and 25 euros of the cost of mending the clothes at workshops. The scheme is being run by an organisation called Refashion and the aim is to cut down on all the textile waste and its impact on the planet. By supporting the workshops and cobblers, which are shoe menders, who do these repairs, the government hopes it will create new jobs and also encourage people to wear and repair more of the clothes they already have instead of falling into the cycle of fast fashion consuming. Moving to Montana in the United States, where a group of 16 young activists aged from 5 to 22 just made history. Let's see exactly what happened. Montana is a state situated in the north of the country, at the border with Canada. Nicknamed the Big Sky Country, Montana is known for its wide open spaces and its beautiful mountains. But the country is also known for being a major producer of coal, gas and oil. To make things worse, Montana recently passed a law that prohibits the state from considering environmental impacts when allowing new fossil fuel projects. In simple words, fossil fuel projects are reviewed without considering the impacts that they have on the planet. But an amendment in the Montana Constitution says that the state has to guarantee its citizens the right to a clean and healthful environment. And as we know, the extraction of fossil fuels emits a lot of greenhouse gases and pollutes the air. So in 2020, 16 young activists decided to sue the state, claiming that allowing these fossil fuel projects was against the constitution. Throughout the trial, the young people testified on how their environment was affected by climate change. Ricky Health, one of the activists, described how droughts and wildfires affected her family's ranch, leaving them with skinny cows and dead cattle. In the end, District Court Judge Kathy Seeley handed a historic win to the young people, saying that they had a fundamental constitutional right to a clean and healthful environment. She ruled that Montana's development of fossil fuels does indeed violate the state constitution by harming the environment. The state plans on appealing the judge's rule, yet legal experts consider this case to be a landmark win for climate defenders. 
Michael Gerard from Columbia Law School, expressed that this decision is the strongest decision on climate change ever issued by any court. And Julia Olson, an attorney that represented the young activists, declared that this is a huge win for Montana, for youth, for democracy, and for our climate. She also added that more rulings like this will certainly come. And indeed, other upcoming climate trials like that one will take place in the next few months. In Hawaii, a group of 14 young people filed a lawsuit against the state's transportation department. They claim that the state is violating the Constitution by failing to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. The lawsuit should start in 2024. We'll keep a close eye on it. Concrete is one of the most used building materials in the world. We use it everywhere. It is quite literally the foundation of our cities. For every person on Earth, there are three tonnes of concrete. That's because it's low cost and easy to produce. So over 10 billion cubic metres of concrete are used every year in the construction industry to create the roofs, streets, bridges and walls that make up our human world. But the problem is that making concrete releases huge amounts of carbon dioxide. Concrete is made by mixing cement with some kind of particles like stone, gravel or sand and water. The production of cement is the most carbon intensive part. Kilns, which are a type of furnace, have to be heated to extremely high temperatures, normally by using fossil fuels. And the chemical reaction that turns the limestone into cement also releases carbon dioxide. It's so much that the production of cement is responsible for 8% of global CO2 emissions, which is a huge proportion. To give you an idea, the emissions from all the flights in the world, both passenger and cargo flights, is 2.5% of global CO2 emissions. And that's not all. Making concrete also uses a lot of water. It's estimated that 9% of all the water taken for industry is used for concrete production. And a lot of the time it happens in places that are already facing water stress. So what can we do about a material that is the building block of our world but creates so many problems? A Finnish startup company called Carbonade has raised nearly 2 million euros in funding for a clever solution. Their aim is to not just reduce the carbon emissions of concrete, but to actually make it carbon negative. This basically means that it would trap and absorb more carbon over its lifetime than it releases. So how would it do this? Their new process for making concrete reduces the amount of cement used and it also binds carbon dioxide into the concrete itself. This technology would halve the carbon footprint of traditional concrete. And if they can use industrial waste products too, things like industry slag or bioash, this would actually make the concrete carbon negative. Carbonade CEO, called Vemas, describes what the next step for this exciting innovation is. He says that the goal is to scale a technology to an industrial-sized factory. This will help them to figure out the financial costs of their concrete because part of its success relies on it being a good commercial option. If the price isn't similar to traditional concrete, it will be tough for them to find many customers. Vemas has more than 20 years experience in the concrete industry though, so he has a good knowledge of the challenges they might face. The industry is very conservative to changing materials, which isn't really surprising when it concerns building bridges or skyscrapers where small mistakes could have terrible costs. But Vemas thinks this new funding is a good sign of progress towards his dream of having a planet-saving impact on the construction industry. 
Let's now move to the UK, where a new trend could help pollinators and nature make a comeback in cities. If you have a car, you may have noticed that in the recent years, the number of dead insects accumulating on your windshield has massively decreased. Your car probably looks nicer, but this is big proof that insect populations have very much declined in the last few decades. Actually, a study found that the number of flying insects in the UK has dropped by almost 60% since 2004, largely due to the effects of climate change and our heavy use of pesticides. And insects also suffer from habitat loss. For instance, in England, about 97% of wildflower meadows has been lost since the Second World War. And this is a big deal. Many birds, reptiles, fish and amphibians depend on insects. So the decline of insects leads to the starvation of these animals. But let's hear the good news. There's a new trend that could change these depressing numbers. Bee bus stops. Have you ever heard of these? Bee bus stops are like normal bus shelters. But the little difference that makes a big difference is that small gardens have been created on their roofs. These gardens contain all kinds of plants and native wildflowers that are wonderful for pollinators. Already established in the Netherlands, Denmark and Sweden, bee bus stops are set to increase by 50% in the UK by the end of this year. And evidence of bee bus stops efficiency is already showing. Insect populations were also in decline in the Netherlands, but studies showed that the urban bee populations in Dutch cities are now stable. And bee bus stops were one of the solutions. They have developed a lot in the country. For instance, in the Dutch city Utrecht, there are now more than 300 bee bus stops. And the city also created a no roofs unused policy. This policy says that every roof has to be greened with plants or equipped with solar panels. And on top of benefiting wildlife, these bus stops absorb rainwater, heat, carbon dioxide and pollutant particles. Thus, they can improve air quality and reduce temperatures in the city. The trend is also taking in France, Belgium, Canada or Australia. And they are an inspiration for other projects too. Similar green spaces are starting to be installed on top of garages, for instance. Every week we finish with a pretty amazing fact about our planet. A little planet wonder. If you thought that rainbows only existed in the sky, you might want to take another look. A mountain range in Peru, known as the Vinicunca, is like a natural rainbow. It has different colored stripes made from 14 different minerals. These impressive mountains look more like an artist's canvas than a traditional gray and white mountain range. The name Vinicunca comes from Peru's native language, Quecha, and it translates to colored mountain. Up until 2013, snow and ice permanently covered these vibrant mountains, and their colors were unknown. Now that the ice has melted, they have been exposed for people to see. Planet Now is a Kibo production created by Abigail Wilkin and me, Nagisa Morimoto. If you would like to help us present more stories like these, please check out the Patreon link in the episode description. You can also support us by leaving a review and sharing this podcast with your close ones. And don't forget to subscribe if you don't want to miss out on next week's episode. Thanks for listening and we hope to see you soon.